Welcome to Breakfast Conversations, the podcast where we sit together one-to-one with amazing educators around the world. And this morning we are sitting at a real breakfast table. And in today's show we are going to break the rules because today's breakfast partner isn't our ADE from 2019. That's normally the people that I will speak to, but today it's our ADE from 2017. But hey, I'm the one making the rules, so I could also be the one breaking them. And I'm anyway better at bending rules and disrupting them than to follow those. So that is what we are going to do today. So today we are sitting together with Paul Tollock, uh, and we are in his kitchen. Um, and Adam and I have actually stayed at the Tollocks and the, the family for the last couple of days, and they are the most wonderful people you can imagine. It was a connection that started as a ADE connection, and now it has really grown into a fantastic friendship between our families. And the Tolex had visited us uh, this summer, and now we have the opportunity to be here together with them, and we really enjoy it. So now we are here in Whiteley Bay, um, and welcome to your own kitchen, Paul. Well, thank you for having me on. I feel I feel like a a, a big fraud and bit of a rebel for not being class of 2019 but I, i'm really pleased to be to be on breakfast conversations with you actually having a proper face-to-face breakfast conversation yeah and we had a had a lovely breakfast uh, this morning uh yes we did it was uh it was a few courses uh it was the tulloch family tradition that we 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 have uh, we have pancakes on a saturday where we have a bit more time on the weekend and then and then uh we we maybe treated you to uh, a more traditional English breakfast this morning. So it has been a big breakfast. I don't think I'll be needing lunch anymore, but uh, it, it was it was really nice this morning. Yes, thanks. Yeah, and it's so lovely to also just have this family time together and see, get this feeling of, of, of how your weekend mornings are. And you have the most wonderful family. Oh, thank kids. you very much. Thank you. They so are, they so are, lovely. They are lovely. They're, they're very spirited and full of character, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I'm really, uh, I'm a very lucky person to have such a great family. Um, and uh, could you please tell us a bit about where we are in the country and, and what people would see if they were coming to Whiteley Bay? Yes, uh, so we are based in the northeast um, of England. Um, we were about maybe 60 miles from the Scottish border. Um, we are just to the east, maybe 10 miles from the city of Newcastle, which is a, a great place. Um, and we are very lucky that we have beautiful, um, a lot of beautiful coastlines, a lot of beautiful beaches and just five, 10 minutes drive, you can be into the country and it's almost like you're in a completely different part of the world. So we, we are, we are very lucky to live, uh, in such a great place, but I, I think what makes the Northeast so great as well is, um, on the whole, the people are, are really friendly and really welcoming. Um, and they're just very delighted to have, to have anybody, um, stay and come and visit and they're always happy to chat and learn new things so it's it really is a great a great part of not only our country but a great part of the world to live in yeah and um i i have got a bit of feedback for the last uh, episode and somebody gave me the feedback that uh, my co-host adam is doing a much better job than i am so i will uh, hand over to adam that will uh, 
have some questions for you, Paul. So. Well, I, I must admit, I, w- I was very impressed by by Adam. Not only um, when Adam has been on the previous podcast doing the introduction, but um, the interrogation skills and the way he managed to put uh, to put Ben on the spot with a few questions. I thought that was that was a, a very fine technique for for getting the most honest answers. And so I look forward to, with a little bit of fear, I look forward to to finding out what, what Adam's got in store for me. Yeah, let's see. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back. Okay, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay, fire away. What's your favorite breakfast? Uh, I really, really love eggs. And I also love black pudding, which I know that you didn't particularly enjoy the other day when you tried it. <laughs> um, which for anybody who doesn't know what black pudding is, is... Um, Fried pig's blood and fat, um, but I really like uh, I really like a poached egg with with black pudding. That is my ultimate breakfast. Okay, the next question is: Why do kids in England use school uniforms? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I think uh, not all schools do use school uniforms, but a lot of schools um, have maybe in the past always had a uniform so that um, if if they were ever out on a trip or they were ever anywhere, it was easy to see what school they were from. Um, and I think this kind of tradition is always stuck. But I, I think there is a, 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 little, a little part of um, everybody has the same clothes, so nobody is, is, to, feel, is to feel singled out for maybe not having... Um, a brand of clothes, for example, for like trainers and that kind of thing. But I, I know that we find it very valuable when I take my class out on a school trip. If everybody <coughs> has the same jumper on, then it's easy for me to see who who, who belongs to me and, and who's who's maybe representing our school in, in a really good way. So um, I, I, I don't actually have an answer, but those are my opinions on it. Okay. The next question is, um, why did you become a teacher? Um, uh, that is a, a very interesting question because if there was anybody who wasn't going to become a teacher, it was it was me. Um, I hated school as a child. Um, I hated it from about year three, so that would be uh, I would maybe around about seven years old, and I didn't really enjoy high school. And I think it stems from the fact that um, as a child, I had a very bad speech impediment where I used to stutter and I couldn't get my words out. And um, I was always fairly bright, not, not, not at the very top of the class. But I remember being asked a question by one of my teachers and I knew the answer in my head, but I, I couldn't get the words out. Um, and the teacher made fun of me in the class. And um, as they made fun of me in the class, I decided that I, I wasn't going to answer any more questions. Um, and then my behaviour changed, so I was a little bit more. I wasn't interested, and I used to I used to to do things to avoid being asked to read or to to ask to speak in front of the class. So if I knew that this was going to happen in say an English lesson where we were reading a book and there was lots of children asking, I I would maybe misbehave to get out of of having to do that. And so I never fancied talking to anybody i i never um i found it uncomfortable <coughs> talking on on a phone even um phone calls still sometimes make me frightened 
um, because I know that I have to speak and I have to have certain certain words. Um, but over the years, I've learned to maybe change the words in my head. So rather than struggle on a certain sound, I can think of of, of another word to, to to kind of get that out. And um, I, I, as I said, I never fancied going into the classroom. I never fancied being in any kind of job where I had to speak at all in the slightest. And then I was having a bit of a, a rough point in, in, in my life where I'd left university and um, I was managing pubs and I, I just didn't enjoy working long hours and... Um, I was putting up with a lot of people who weren't particularly nice and they could get very nasty and aggressive. And um, I didn't have a lot of money. And a friend at the time, um, her brother worked for a charity and they took, um, they took children from backgrounds who didn't have a lot of money or they had specific learning needs and they went on kind of, an, uh, what's the word, maybe some kind of outdoor activity holiday where they would try things like um, abseiling and uh, they'd go out in uh, kayaks and canoes on the water. And uh, I went for a week just for a, a break from work. And the, the person who was in charge of the holiday said that I had a, a, real, a real knack for working with young people and I understood young people and that um, young people were pleased to be around me. And then I came back from that holiday and I, I thought about what I wanted to do and um, I decided that I would go towards a job where every day wasn't going to be the same as what my, my current job was, where I used to sit in a pub and serve customers and I wanted every day to be different. So um, I applied to be a teacher on training course and that was 10 years ago and I, I've never looked back. Uh, um, if you could build your dream school, what would it look like? Um, my dream school would look nothing like the schools that I have worked in in, in, in England or, or visited in England. Um, I would have spaces that are, are comfortable, um, <coughs> spaces that um, allow people to learn in various ways and uh, to, to display things in various ways. So the, I, I don't believe four walls should be the classroom boundaries. I think we should have open spaces where... Um, once the learning is um, is clear and what the learning goal is and the learning intention is that children can uh, or, or young adults can can find the space and find the techniques that work best for them. Um, and the reason that I think this is, uh, if I go to any training days and I, I have to I have to learn things or I'm getting um, some CPD, I find it really difficult to sit in a chair for more than an hour and. Uh, what we're asking a lot of our children to do is to sit for five, six hours a day and not really be comfortable and not be able to choose where they sit um, and choose um, their, choose how they're most comfortable. So in my ideal world, um, I know that I visited your, your dad's school when we came to see you last year and we, and we looked at the flow factory, um, or, or your dad's uh, old school, sorry, and... Um, I was fascinated by all the spaces where it, everything was so different and everything was tailored around the actual learners and not and not the learners being tailored to the space. So I think spaces should be flexible and open and comfortable and uh, allow opportunities for uh, collaboration and independent work and uh, creative screens, uh, things like green screen and um, making videos and lots of different opportunities and equipment. That, that was an excellent question, by the way. How did you and my dad meet? Um, well, me and your dad met through the wonderful world of Twitter. Um, he was somebody that 
Um, when I became an ADA in 2017, I, I kind of uh, I got involved in Twitter a little bit more, and I joined in um, I joined in Apple Chats. And uh, your dad was somebody that I, I always uh, was inspired by because he was always doing great things, and he always had great ideas, and he was always sharing these little tips and techniques that would make not only our students' lives easier, but um, our own lives easier to make our own workflows. And uh, I was really inspired. And um, I get a little bit intimidated through Twitter sometimes because sometimes I look at all the great things that, um, that, that educators are doing around the world that I chat with and connect with and I feel like I should be doing more. Um, so I, I, I had little conversations with your dad here and there and then uh, we were planning our family holiday last summer and um, I got in touch with your dad to ask um, his thoughts on where we should visit in your wonderful country, Denmark. And um, it just turned into a, our personal, uh, our professional learning network turned, turned into a really great friendship where um, we, we chatted about things that were, were other than education and then we came to stay with you and we had a, a lovely day uh, where you soaked me to the bone with a water pistol if yeah, I, remember I remember correctly, <laughs> and I still need to get you back for that. But uh, it just turned into a great friendship. And um, this ties in something that I'm really quite, uh, I, I have a, a strong belief in, that in, in schools, in a lot of schools in Britain, not all of schools, but we kind of, um, if we think something's bad, um, we kind of try to shut it down. So a lot of, of the, the old messages in school used to be, um, Social media is bad and internet is, uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous place. But um, when you look at the positive sides of it, everything has a has a dangerous side. But when you look at the positive side of it, if it wasn't through social media and making connections, I would never have made a, a, a really good friend in, in, in your dad and then been soaked by you last summer. <laughs> well, that was all the questions from me. Can I ask you a quick question? Okay. Um, what have you learned this morning from my son Sebastian that is uh, particularly difficult when he showed you today? I don't remember. About coming down the stairs? Oh, what, yeah. did, oh, what, did you, yeah. what did you think about that? For, obviously, the people who are listening to the podcast, my son Sebastian's five and um, he's very excitable and he's very spirited. <coughs> but this morning, um, he showed Adam how to race down the stairs on his bottom at about 100 <laughs> miles an hour. And uh, Adam found it particularly painful, maybe, yeah. and a little bit difficult. Yeah. So I, I just wondered on what your thoughts were. Are you going to take that back to your friends in Denmark and have uh, stair bottom races now? Probably not. Probably not, no. I didn't think you would, but I, I just thought I would ask you that question. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt a bit, yeah. I, I know from experience that, that it hurt, because it, he, sometimes he makes me race him down the stairs, and I, I can't do it either. Why don't you just run down the stairs? Well, that, that's, that's a sensible option. See, not only good questions, but great ideas. I will take your advice next time. <laughs> well, uh, you told uh, a bit about, um, he asked you for your ideas for, for schools of the future or how they could look like. And I just wanted to, de uh, to dive deep into that. Uh, I know you have a lot of ideas about both uh, how schools could be but also, uh, what kind of challenges do you see right now in the in your everyday life uh, in school? What kind of things would you here in England like to change if you had the possibilities to create um, or I, suggest some change? 
I guess the main challenge that I see every day is um, is with money and budgets and schools not having enough money to um, to invest in certain things, to invest in not only technology but even extra staff. And um, I, I, I just see it, quite, it being quite a challenge at, at the moment in, um, with everything that's happening around, around Europe and in particular with Britain. Uh, there's a lot of cuts being made and the, I've seen those cuts really be affected um, across our school um, in things like um, a reduction in maybe support staff, a reduction in not only support staff who are employed by school, but uh, um, maybe there's not enough not enough services to, to help children who have extra needs and the additional needs. And I, I see that being a big challenge. Um, and I suppose tied in with that is part of um, part of my my belief about using the technology in the classroom. And maybe the the main reason that I did start to use the technology in the classroom is um, it was becoming increasingly difficult to provide for every child on a personal level and and have have thirty children and you you provide everything that they need. So um, whether that be specific reading needs, um, giving them extra support reading or giving them extra support writing. And, just being one person in a classroom, I think um, I think technology um, can play a part in really um, personalising learning for our children and really um, making it accessible and opening doors that weren't always there in, in the past. Um, so, for example, going back on my own experience when um, about when I was talking about when I was at school, um, I, I didn't like to read in front of the class and I didn't like to read with a teacher who was in the class. But if if if, if I could have recorded myself reading in a quiet space and then sent that to the teacher, that would have been something that would have um, made me feel a lot more at ease. And, mm. and um, I have a friend called Sam, um, who uh, is a teacher in Newcastle, called Sam Keys, and um, he is very big on sp special educational needs and making sure all of our children's needs are being met and well-being. And he said something that's always really stuck with me about um, the, the anxious learner is not a learner. And if you're worried about learning before you try to learn, then it's it's really going to to stop you from learning. It's going to put a barrier in the way of your learning. So, for example, um, if the way I always think about it is, um, when you're nervous when you go for a job in interview, you would you, you would always perform better if you were more relaxed. Yeah. And you could put yourself across a little, a little bit better. Um, and I, I I feel it's the same with with. With, uh, with learning if, if you're worried about say for example when I was at school I was worried about reading I, I would I would start to get in such a a, a, a bind and a fluster that um, even, I wouldn't be able to show what I, what I could do and show my understanding of, of, of the subject and I, I think um, going back to the, the original the original question the budgets are, are, um, are not um, and the, the, the amount of money in schools um, not, not all schools but the, the amount of money in schools makes it hard hard for hard for staff to, to help the learners and, 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 and learners need to be relaxed and have yeah. tools that they can use. And, I, I, and this is really where my iPad journey started um, maybe four and a half years ago was introducing techniques to make learners independent and um, those, those little, those little built-in features that could really um, just not, not make children make huge progress but have a bit of confidence in themselves and a, and, and a bit of belief and I, I believe the key to all success is being confident and being relaxed 
and I, and I suppose um, if there was more scope for technology and there was more um, training provided to, to staff as well, because that's also a bit of an issue I, I feel sometimes in England is we, we think that technology will save everything, but technology, if you put technology in the hands of a teacher who doesn't know how to use it, it's still, it's not going to change anything at all. So no, and it can maybe sometimes even make things worse if, if, if it's just deployed poorly and, and without a vision and, and exactly. in the hands of a teacher that don't know, need, know how to use it or why to use it. And, and it actually can maybe become more a dis distraction than a beneficial tool. And then maybe that teacher gets anxious yeah. and if they're anxious, they're not going to teach their full capability. So it, it works on both levels, I, I suppose. But I, I think, I, think I, I would like to see, um, and I know, I know the government is making, is making steps towards this, to, to, they're having a big push on ed tech, but um, I, think, I think technology in the classroom has a really important part and it needs to be um, maybe not the be all, be all and end all of every classroom, but it needs to be um, if maybe a factor or a feature in every classroom. And with that comes the responsibility of we need to understand why it's being used. So it, it, again, it comes back to that why, why, yeah. why are we using it? Um, and, I, and my why is I'm using it to, to give our, our children skills to be independent and do things in a different way. Because if, if we're not using it in the classroom, we're not, do, we're not doing our, 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 our learners a, um, a true service because they're living in a world where things are, are going to get, um, they, they need these skills. It's, not, it's, it's yeah. not something that we can just say, oh, it's okay, they can catch up later on. They need these skills now because we don't know what's going to happen in five years. We don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. And if, 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 if they have the skills that we can provide them with now and they can become independent in that, then they will be the ones who lead the future and start, start to develop how things happen. And um, not everybody learns the same way. So... No, and it was really interesting yesterday and, and a huge privilege to see your why in, in action, being in, in your class and see how you are working with the kids. Uh, I myself have mainly worked with, with young adults and, and, and some further education, but seeing you working together with your class and I assume they were around nine, ten years old. Yeah, nine, ten years old, uh, yeah. And, and, and seeing how you are helping them. And I think your point also uh, before you mentioned that if kids uh, don't feel safe or if there is some uh, challenges going on in their private life, it can really um, be a big uh, obstacle for their learning. Yeah. And I think a lot of schools, both in Denmark, England, and maybe all around the world, have that challenge that there's so much focus on measuring uh, academic uh, progress that, that uh, I think a lot of schools, they have so much focus on that. But Sometimes I think it's so important to, that we address all those uh, well-being uh, issues before and actually really create that uh, safe environment for them where they, where they thrive and, and make sure that they thrive and then the learning also becomes much easier if that foundation is. But yeah. I think a lot often we are, uh, are more or less forced to put it, uh, do it the other way around and we see so many teachers trying to teach even if they can see that the children are not uh, yes. well balanced and this is another one of my big beliefs is um you could be the best teacher for i'll, I'll just use uh, for example my area uh, that I, I look at in school is uh, i'm in charge of computing and you could be the best computing teacher you can have the biggest knowledge you could you could do the most amazing things um with coding and, and all this kind of, of stuff but if you don't have a relationship with with the children and you don't know that, that child 
and you don't know when they might need an arm around them just to say just a chat or they might need a bit of a, a push to, to to really move on to the next level if you don't have a relationship with a child it doesn't matter how good a teacher you are the the, the progress won't be there because um it comes that everything comes down to how you know your children and how you get on with your children and i think um i think relationships um are key and knowledge and being an expert can't replace relationships they need to work together um so often um knowing your children is 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 the most important step and then the knowledge that you can impart afterwards is is um if they feel comfortable with you there's more chance of it of, of it being effective and i know that where i work um it's um in maybe a, a lower lower economic area and some of our children might need a little bit of uh, time to chat in the morning or you know they might they might be worried about things or, or, or things like that and I, th I think it's really important that we, we we get that right before we focus on what it is that we have to do as teachers we have to focus on the child first then, then yeah making sure the child's safe and happy and, and secure and then we can focus on what, how we can build that child up to the to whatever it is that they aspire to become yeah, and I have must uh, admit I have really reflected a lot uh, the last days, and I have of course visited uh, schools in England uh, over many years now. But I think, especially the last days, I have reflected about this. That I think, if you look at uh, GDP, uh, England is a quite wealthy country. Yeah. But uh, coming from this happy, uh, naive uh, socialist. Uh, little uh, country Denmark where uh, people have a little I think also maybe some misconsumptions uh, about that but but I think it's here it's quite uh, visible that the income is distributed very uh, or that that some people are very very wealthy in England but also that that uh, the working middle class maybe don't necessarily have that much money and also the in the area where you teach that a lot of people are unemployed and so I also think about how that makes education just even more important yeah it's, it's we need we need we need to level the, the the playing field so to speak we need to um we need to make sure everybody has the same opportunities and not just the privileged have this have have opportunities so um we yeah need to, we need uh, to make sure that not maybe not opportunities as in um we have the best kind of equipment or um, we have the um, we have the best teachers, but we need to open our children up to experiences that they may not experience outside of school. So whether that be um, through um, a visit somewhere or uh, taking part in a competition that they wouldn't usually get the chance to take a part in outside of school, or, um, or having a Skype conversation with a different part of the world, um, because a lot of our children, um, a lot of our children might might not might not have traveled anywhere they might not have left the country they might not have traveled very far within england um so providing just experiences not necessarily making sure that we've we've got everything that is first class technology and first class teachers but just just opening them up to different things yeah. to to get a flavor of actually what's out there and what and what what maybe all it takes is one experience that they've never experienced before where it sparks a little bit of curiosity and and then children will run with whatever they're interested in i think that's really important but also what i have reflected on um is seeing that that 
some of the kids maybe don't get the support from at home and and, and just realizing how if, if their parents that, that generation if they had had bad school memories and a bad school time uh, didn't found school uh, engaging or even have bad bad memories from it it's some of them uh, will maybe turn into not supporting their yeah. own kids going to school uh, very well or, or so that I think that seeing that domino effect if, if one child has some bad school uh, memories or bad school time that they easily pass that on to their own kids yes. when they grow up because they uh, yeah which, which comes back to relationships again because if you can make the children happy to come to school and have positive experiences then they go home and then they share those positive experiences with parents and uh, an extended family and then that can kind of change the, um, change the narrative of that around change, school. Yeah, change the narrative of how people feel about school, and then parents start to ask a few more questions. Whereas uh, it, it could so easily have been like that for me because I didn't enjoy school. I could have never shown an interest in my own children's school because I, I've I've had a very negative experience yeah. about it. Um, but if you can change that, if you can change the narrative, then that I think that's really key. Um, because it's not just impacting on the child, it's impacting on whole families and lives. And actually something that I'm, I, I'm, I'm really keen on trying to do this year, um, I, I, I've got an idea, but I need to, to work out a plan of how we will do it. But I'd like to, um, I'd like to, to, give, to work with families and give family skills. Mm. So one of my ideas is maybe, um, I'm trying to put a plan in place after Christmas is um, maybe, uh, inviting families into school uh, on certain afternoons and going through um, some coding skills and some digital skills where the children and the parents are learning together or yeah. the children are imparting what they've learned onto their parents. So it just breaks down that barrier of you might not have had a, a, a great experience at school yourself, but actually we're open and you are very welcome to come in and um, we're here for you. And if you've got any questions and you know, you, you might you might discover something. We might give parents or families an experience that they've never had before, and then that might spark something, which could lead to a, a big change. And I, I think that's something that um, school needs to be not just about the child; it's about the the bigger family. Yeah, I think that could lead into a, a second breakfast conversation because I have had for a long time some similar ideas. I think if we could start from a blank canvas and and create. I had to re recreate schools uh, or, or learning to, to think much more about uh, learning spaces as a, or get inspired by libraries, cafes, co-working spaces, yeah. but being some kind of space where, where people could come because it's fun, interesting, motivating um, to be there. But uh, yeah, as, as you say, that you could come there as a family maybe or yeah. with friends and um, more loosely organized but actually um, yeah, I find it very very interesting to see why or what kind of environments uh, do young people naturally uh, want to go mm -hmm. why are some uh, co-working spaces really succeeding uh, getting a lot of creative people into the same place and Maybe they are working together, but actually I think also they are learning a lot. And yeah. some cafes uh, really succeed creating an environment where people take their laptop with them and are doing some work and some learning. Yeah. And I think if we could, as schools, get much more inspired by that, being more open. 
uh, getting the parents in and, and, and knowing that it's also a place where they can learn and uh, learning can happen much more across those that are there and, and not necessarily yeah. led so much by a teacher. And then that, that, that strengthens the bond about what happens at home and maybe there might be a question at home and whereas if, if a parent or a family member doesn't have the answer, they might not understand how they can help with the answer. And then that, that maybe changes things a little bit more. I mean, we, we've had some very positive experiences in our school. Um, we, um, we, hold, we hold family days. So we have, um, we have male carers day, which is around, around about Father's Day. Um, we have grandparents day um, and we have, we have um, our female, um, a day for female carers as well. And basically what that is, it's, it's just um, after lunch, we invite, well, well we, we actually invite the, the families in to have lunch with their children in the hall, which is a lovely experience to, to see a hall full of um, really excitable children and, uh, and, and grandmas and grandparents and, and, and parents just sitting, chatting and having lovely conversations with their children. But then the focus is in the afternoon, they come together and they work on maybe, it, it's maybe some kind of art or craft activities where they just relaxed and they have a bit of fun together and I think um, we've had a lot of really positive experiences with that I mean I, I'd just like to to move that one step further whereas maybe it's fun but it's fun with actually we might be able to learn a new skill here and then see how that takes us um, so that's that's my idea is to at some point this year try and run some some family coding workshops and see how that goes. And if and if it if it takes off, then great. And if it doesn't, and 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 the feedback is that um, it's not something that they're interested in. At least we've opened up that new experience again. So that's, that's yeah, on my list. And I think it's um, a challenge uh, in a lot of places. I'm also on a school board in, in Denmark in my parent uh, in my kids' uh, school, um, and we have a big uh, problem there. Also, a challenge that getting every uh, all the parents uh, actively involved and, and meeting uh, are coming at those days where there are parents' days. And, and yeah. um, well, I think that's it's a really interesting challenge. How, how do we create schools that are much more welcoming for the whole family and the place yeah. that... Yeah, and we need, to, we need to break down to come. And just and say that school's not just for the children. It's yeah. the school's a place for everyone. You know? Yeah, we are, I think we are going into... Um, our age now where uh, we just everyone has to to work with lifelong learning now it's uh, you can't just uh, go to school the first quarter of your life and then then work no but if if you think about it, we're always learning aren't we because um the the example that i always give and it's a it's a really strange example uh, uh, um maybe not not a great example but is um a few years ago um the light bulb went on on our our car i am um, in our family car so um rather than take it to a garage i i used um went onto youtube, YouTube yeah. watched the video and you know and um found out how to did it uh, to do it and then i managed to change it myself and accomplish that myself which much to my dad's horror because my dad worked uh with cars and buses for years and he yeah. could have told me how, how, how to do it straight away but um i wanted to do it on my own and, I, and, and, and youtube then, was in your pocket so and youtube was in, in my pocket yeah. so so we've got all this easy accessible techniques 
um, to, to learn, but also it, it's a case of showing our learners and our, our children and our pupils that actually they don't have to be the consumers. They could be the ones that are creating this content, putting it onto YouTube or putting it onto social media, and somebody else can be learning from what they know. And, you know, I think that's more powerful yeah. than than watching something to learn is you imparting your knowledge on something. And that's something that maybe um, we try to do in school. We try to we try to um, not not consume and learn things. We try to to learn things but then create something for somebody else to learn from us. And I think that's I think that's quite an interesting um, an exciting way because I, I, I know that um, if I post a video on YouTube and it's and my, my videos, I, I, I never advertise them. I just put little things on here and there. But if my video gets five five views, um, which is in in the in the grand scheme of things, is nothing but five views means that five people have watched something and maybe yeah. five people have learned something, and that makes me feel good. So um, you know, there's those all those little little things that um, really that and and then that helps to inspire children and you know that the fact that they're helping others and I think I think that's. At the moment, with the current climate around the world, we need yeah. to be helping others and sharing kindness and um, becoming more of a global community and making making those those little connections that that make a positive difference. Yeah, and, and now you're saying global community. Um, if you could uh, get a couple of weeks off school and you could go anywhere in the world to get inspired. Uh, for for something on learning, where would you travel to? Um, is is this inspired in life or inspired uh, about what I can pick up in education or, or maybe both? Maybe both. Well, I I, I um, as a as a, a a child, I didn't um, I didn't travel very much. We had the the odd family holiday abroad, um, and we spent a lot of time traveling around England. So I, I love the outdoors, and we spent a lot of time in the Lake District, Scotland, Wales. But um, part of part of my real passion that I've only realised in the past five or six years is that I absolutely love exploring new places. So obviously we we came and we explored Denmark. We went into Germany. We went into Holland. We've been to Belgium. But I, I would really like to um, explore in terms of both my own personal and just experiencing cultures, but learning from education. I see a lot of uh, a lot of great things going on um, in the Far East. At, at, at the moment, so I'm really interested in um, particularly things that are going on in Singapore, Malaysia, yeah. Yeah. Um, how 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 China are adapting their education, um, and then I see a lot of amazing things going on in Australia. So I would love to go and uh, visit. Um, I think it's Corpus Christi. Um, oh yeah, which yeah. is. Um, Daniel used to, Bud Daniel, used to yeah, work. Yeah, Daniel yeah. Bud and um, he's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah, I, well, I, I, would, I would love to to sit and have a conversation with him. But I, I just, I, I look at his ideas and the way he, he he goes about challenging his pupils, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And then for the life of me, I've forgotten the name, but um, the host, I think it's James. James, um, yeah, can't remember his surname. Yeah, yeah, um, he's done some amazing work with yeah. um, keynote and pages, and I think Australia's. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd love to go and have a look around. Um, Australia, and I've, I've I've really learned a lot from so many people around the world that I would just like to, I'd like to go and visit and see what's going on in in, in different places and how how they're um, how they're making their learners more independent and, and giving them more 
variation and, um, and, and giving them ownership of learning so they have a choice about how they do things. So, um, which is something that I'm trying to impart in my class, but I'd, I'd like to see, so um, go into schools and see, um, do they have a choice about, um, they can maybe create something manually and with paper and uh, um, written methods or, or um, how they go about offering up the opportunities to make a, a video or a presentation or, um, or an app, or yeah. those kind of things, and I, I'm, I, but I, I do think the, from what I, from from, Twitter lurking, is, so to speak, over the past um, few months, things like uh, Tim Evans is doing great things um, in Stanford in Hong Kong, and um, I've enjoyed um, finding out uh, a little bit more about uh, what's going on in the Middle East with uh, one of your guests that was on. Uh, is it Philip? I was on. Yeah, Philippe, yeah, yeah I enjoyed Philippe, finding yeah. out about that, and I'm just fascinated about how every every country has a slightly different approach, and yeah. every school. So I think I would love to go all over the world, but I have a real particular interest in the Far East and maybe Australia at, at the moment. It sounds like that we could uh, book some uh, flight tickets together. Yeah, <laughs> similar uh, plans. Yeah, very much. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think my wife Laura would, uh, no, would be particularly keen on. Maybe on should me, to keep it a secret for her. Yeah, yeah. I'll be leaving <laughs> so, the kids maybe for a number of weeks or. I'll take them months. with us on the trip. Yeah, we could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of education in traveling. Uh, well, yes, which, which is which is a fi- which is why we're a firm believer in. Um, going away for an extended period of time, but not not just flying to a place yeah. and staying in the same place. We like to to go into cities and we like to travel by local transport and yeah. talk to people and go into cafes and have our children exposed to these these different cultures so that um, they get to make a choice about what they're interested in. Um, and I can really say um, with our children, um, they, they really enjoy travel. Yeah, and I, uh, as, a, as a side note, I think you are both a, a fantastic uh, educator, but also seeing the work you, you and your wife do as, as, as parents and, and those lovely kids that has turned into it, that those yeah, amazing personalities that both uh, the kids have. That's uh, I think that's the, sometimes the most important job we have in, in, in our life is being good parents, and I think that's a fantastic job you're doing. I've really enjoyed the company of your kids the last couple of days. I'm I'm very pleased you said that and it's very kind and uh, really kind because uh, our, our children um, Sebastian is now five but when he was younger he, he was very he, he wasn't very sociable but seeing when when you arrived on Thursday and straight away yesterday the fact that you were he, he, he was racing you on his bike and you were on his scooter and just you know it just I think those experiences that we've maybe had with travel. Have um, have made him more accepting, and I think I think acceptance is a huge part of learning. And I think understanding different cultures and understanding and being being curious, yeah. and things like that. And so that's really nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, and Sebastian and I we uh, agreed on yesterday that we now are best friends. So uh... yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he's, already, he's already trying to book our uh, our our next trip next year to come and see you. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I think we will uh, continue the conversation all day, but maybe we should uh, round out for the part with, with uh, the listeners because I think we have a lighthouse to see and some seals and going to have a good uh, yeah. Saturday uh, together. Yeah, um, that's, that's one of the, the, very, uh, the very perks of living maybe 
500 yards from the beaches, we have uh, a lot of great wildlife and there's a, there's a really beautiful place that we'll go and explore this afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping now that we promised you seals that there are seals there because the seals... Yeah, the expectations are high now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not, we might, we might have to dress up one of my cats yeah. as a seal and pretend to have seen a seal. But uh, let's uh, see now, the expectations are high, but let's see if the tide is low or high tide so that we can visit the light tower. I, I believe it's low. I, I believe we, we will at least get to see the lighthouse and climb to the top. So, so that, yeah. that that will be a good start this afternoon. So finally, I just want to thank you very much for for yeah hosting us the last couple of days, sitting here in your kitchen, uh, getting a coffee with you and all the conversations. But also, I just want to say to all the listeners that um, I think this both the ADE network, but just also in general the, the Twitter, uh, the professional learning network we have in, uh, on Twitter find ways to turn that into to friendships and real conversations and, and most most definitely I, I we're all very busy as educators but when when you just take the time to chat and you take the time to chat about things that aren't necessarily with school it just it helps to open up so many things and I, I think that's that's what I've really got from the ADA community is um what what the, the reason that I'm so proud to be part of the ADA community is I learn so much from other people um, maybe I, I don't share enough of, of what of what's going on in, in in my own classroom and things that we're trying to do, but just having conversations and getting somebody else's opinion on something and maybe a, a different idea. It's just it's one of the most valuable communities that that, um, that I've ever been a part of, and it, um, it's really uh, it's inspired me to try and, and be a better educator for for my not only my own children but um, my my class of children as well. And I suppose at some point, maybe it's even um, at times where it does get tough and um, you do feel the, the pressure of the job. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's good for your well-being as well because it helps you to see that, you know, you've got friends that are there to help and um, it's just, it's just a, a really good motivator again. So, yeah. Yeah. so I, I, I would strongly urge that um, make the time to, to visit people and... and uh, stay in touch with people and this summer turned out to be great even though that we couldn't that I couldn't attend uh, the institute due to our family holiday um, I still got to see you Jacob and I also got to meet up with uh, Laura Wright and Sammy Wood Wright and their, their lovely family their, their kids as well uh, when we visited uh, our other friends um, in the Hague in Holland and um, just I think making those face to face connections is really makes all, all the difference um, I would just urge people to make time. To yeah. Make so uh, yeah. So our challenge for the people this time could be uh, to look at the professional learning network on Twitter, and and uh, think about the people they would like to to visit and how to make that happen. And uh, then we could go out and and look at uh, the city now and yes. enjoy the rest of the day. Yes, I think so, uh, I think you've listened to me ramble on on enough, but. It's going thank to be the so longest much. episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on because I, I know that we've, we've broken the rules and you are known as the education disruptor. So uh, I feel very privileged that, that you've allowed me to bring the rules. It has been a true pleasure being here. Thank you. Dear listeners, I'm super excited that I could share this episode with you and I'm glad that you are still listening. Uh, as you could hear, Paul is a really great friend of mine and an educator who 
really cares about the well-being of the kids in his classroom. And Paul has a wonderful family. It has been absolutely fantastic to stay at the Tullocks and, and, and at their home. And something that I'm sure that also Adam will remember forever. It has been some amazing days that we had together with the Tullock family. And their kids, Sebastian and Camille, they are so sweet, fun and adorable. As a educator, uh, a quite ambitious one, I have also personally f- sometimes found it really difficult to balance work and family. There are so much that we want to do for our learners. And I have both had the opportunity, but also wanted to change things in, in, in the educational system uh, and work on all those projects. And they can sometimes consume a lot of our time. But at the same time, I think we all have uh, ideals and dreams about how we want to be as parents. Uh, and for me, at least, sometimes it can be hard to, to find the right balance in it and be the, the great dad that we dream about being. So as educators, our work is really important for both the well-being of other parents' kids and their future. And of course, we have a super important role to play as well for our own kids and their life. And that can sometimes be really hard to balance and and be present and be good enough and live up to our own ideals uh, in that regard. But wow, both Paul and and Paul's wife, Laura Tollock, they are doing a fantastic job raising their their happy, creative kids. And they are also both doing amazing things in education uh, as well. So I really admire uh, that. And and their home is in every corner and in every floor filled with love. and it's no wonder that Camille and Sebastian are thriving and are so much fun to be around because they have really some cool parents as well. Speaking about, uh, or speaking of Laura Tollock, uh, she is doing some fantastic work in education as well. And she's working with a lot of schools in the northern part of England. And she's a true expert on how to teach mathematics and especially in an engaging and meaningful way with iPads. So maybe there will be a future episode sometime with Laura, but I will definitely include her Twitter handle as well in the show notes so that you already now can reach out to her on Twitter and connect. And dear listener, you are probably also doing fantastic work in education. I'm convinced about that. And you have just been listening to a podcast made by a Danish educator on tour in England, so you are probably also quite well connected internationally. I find it extremely inspiring to have friends in education that work in other countries and cultures, and I see them as a very valuable component in my own learning and growth. So I think it could be really, really cool if you, after this episode, create a little break in your day and spend 5-10 minutes on reaching out to one or two educators in your network from a different country and tell them that they inspire you and ask them maybe some of those questions about learning and school that you have always been curious about uh, and maybe explore the differences between your country and, and their country regarding education. Or maybe arrange that you both 
can find a little bit of time for a FaceTime call or Skype conversation where you can have a cup of coffee together and revitalize uh, your friendship and your connection. I think that could be really, really cool. And of course, if you want to, feel free to recommend this podcast to them. Oh, no. You don't need to, but you but keep those international uh, friendships alive and connections uh, and keep on getting inspired by a professional learning network. I think it's so important that we have good connections to the teachers next door in the next classroom, but I also sometimes find it really valuable to to know that we are a global community and and get new perspectives because we do things differently. So keep those friendships alive, reach out to them, spend 5-10 minutes with it. Yeah, but this has been the third and final episode from our On Tour series uh, in this podcast. It has been a really great week in, in England. And it will definitely not be the last time that I take the podcast with me. And I'm convinced that there will be future episodes where I will travel and visit great educators in their classrooms and in their kitchens. It has been absolutely fantastic to sit together with Paul in his kitchen and hear him talk about education, especially when I've been in his classroom the day before. Uh, and, and I think we I need to make more episodes where I meet people in person. But the next episode, that will be again be an episode where we sit down together with our Apple Distinguished Educator from the class of 2019. And I'm convinced that it's going to be really interesting. But in future episodes, I also want to include a segment with questions from you and other listeners. So if you have a tricky, fun, interesting question that you would like to hear a future guest and my opinion on, then please reach out on Twitter and leave a voice message using the Anchor app. And as always, I'm very interested in your thoughts and feedback especially feedback that can help me on my podcast journey. So if you have any thoughts about this episode or other of the previous episodes, please reach out and and, uh, I'm always interested in, in your thoughts and feedback. Yeah, keep on doing outstanding things in education. And inspired by Paul, I think we should all try to think about how we can use technology to reach and create something special for the learners that need it the most. Yeah. Until next time, thank you for listening.